Welcome to another uh, another episode of Unstoppable Overcomers, and I'm your host, Dorothy Odell. I'd just like to uh, get a couple housekeeping things out of the way here. Just would love to introduce you to our brand new sponsor of the show, uh, Strong Foundations with Jen Zahari. Jen is an amazing uh, life coach and business coach and consultant. Uh, you could definitely reach her at www.jenzahari.com or you can give her a call at 920-858-6653 and definitely schedule your 30-minute free consultation with her today. I promise you, you will not regret it. As well as our second sponsor this evening is also Jen Zahari with her amazing book, Created No Way Out. I'm telling you, if you have ever had one of those days where, um, you know, you just thought life was too hard, you definitely need to get your hands on this book today. Uh, you can get it uh, your copy at uh, either Amazon or jenzahari.com. Totally recommend it. I actually have my own autograph copy and I, it was so good. I sat and read it within like a day and a half. So totally get your copy today. And with that folks, I am just so thrilled uh, to introduce you to an amazing, amazing guy. Let me bring him to the stage here. Mr. Barry Copeless. Good evening, sir. How are you? Fantastic. Happy Monday. Yes, it has been an amazing Monday. I'm trying to switch. I normally am on the other side. <laughs> Barry, why don't you tell our amazing guests just uh, a little bit about yourself and we'll go from there. Okay, I actually was born on a farm in Three Hills, Alberta, Canada, where we raised cattle and chickens. And I learned a lot about farming because I had to participate in all the farm operations. And I actually helped my dad build a house and a lot of buildings on the farm. So my dad was a very good educator to me and my siblings, which is nice because I like to learn stuff. I learned a lot from my dad. And so... At about age 16, I moved to Calgary, Alberta, and I went to high school there for two years. And I graduated in high school with honors. I actually worked at the school snack store. And it wasn't until about 1984, eight years later, that it's my uncle offered me a job to work for his computer company. So I moved to Winnipeg. I said, why would you move to Winnipeg of all cities you could move to? Well, it was a job offer. I said, well, I'll take your job offer. So I worked my uncle for two years. I learned a lot about computers. That was in the DOS days. And I did uh, programming for him and did a lot of uh, programming work for my uncle for two years. Wow. That's awesome. So that, you know, when we first connected, Barry, you are just so full of stories and so full of inspiration. Um, you know, you told me you're growing the beard because it's for a, a movie uh, role. A movie Ordinary role. Angels. Yes, yes. Ordinary Angels. I, I was like really impressed with that because, yes. you know, we're trying to get the show on to a network of some sort, which we will. We're in the process of doing that. So we're super excited about that. Uh, so I have we have our very first actor. <laughs> on the okay. show tonight so i'm okay. super excited about that and you uh shared with me that this would be your premiere episode uh on another live uh podcast live show so yes. we're super excited to have you here yeah so tell us a little bit about your overcoming story what are some of the things that you've had to overcome in life okay so when i was going to school i actually only had only one best friend alan siemens was his name and I was a loner in school, so I didn't hang around with the bad actors in school, like the kids that were into drugs and all the trouble makers. I want to stay away from them. I wanted to hang around with people that kind of I liked and he had the same values as I did. We're still friends today, Alan Siemens. And then when I went to Crescent Heights, I was a little bit less of a loner there, but I had only a few more friends, but not many friends again. They weren't bad actors like the ones in Thrills, Alberta. We had rough school there. But... Uh, I did that. And like I said, I worked in the snack store. That was my first taste of entrepreneur experience, running a snack shop. And my, my teacher that taught computer classes said, Barry, would you like to work in the snack shop? I said, sure. What do I have to do? He said, well, you have to just sell snacks and balance the till and whatever after that. I said, well, that sounds easy enough. So I did that. 
That was my first entrepreneurship thing. And I would say at that point, I was a bit shy too, but because it was a school thing, well, everybody maybe knows me in school, so it wasn't that bad, right? Mm -hmm. And I want to tell you something that happened to me. I lived in a rooming house across from the school. And this landlady named Tilly was her nickname. They would always party a lot of times. One time I said, gee, I'm trying to get to sleep. I have to go to school the next day. Oh, get back in your room and leave us party. You know, you don't need to interrupt us. And then one day I was sitting at the, the table in the kitchen and she said this most odd thing. She said, Barry, you never contribute to any conversations here. Well, I'm a listener, right? At that point is listener, right? And you know what she said? She said, I'm going to say that you're shy and you'll be shy for the rest of your life. Now, what a thing to say to a 16-year-old boy that could be shy and he just had to overcome his shyness over time. Right. So it wasn't until that I graduated from high school with honors and that I moved to Winnipeg that things started to open up for me. Because I mm -hmm. tell you, the first thing I did in the city, you might think it was the TV show, but that wasn't the first thing I did. After my uncle's company went bankrupt, unfortunately, I moved to another place. I created a friendship club. And I want to make friends because I don't have any friends in the city. I just moved here from Calgary, right? So I created a mm -hmm. friendship club called Friendship Seekers. I said, okay, I'll advertise it all over the place and we'll get together and make friends. What a great idea. So at one point, I had 75 members in the club from Ireland, England, all over to Canada. We're all new to the city, so we want to make friends. Okay, we'll come to some activities. I put bowling events and dances, all kinds of events going on, right? Hey. So I created a great that club idea to make friends. <laughs> now, I got the idea after the club was running, and there was a local community station here called VPW11. It was part of the Video and Cable Corporation. And they put out a call. They said, we're looking for shows to come on the air. I said, oh, I wonder if I could put my, my, my friendship club show on the air to talk about the activity we do on TV. I wrote a proposal. I submitted it a few days later. I said, we accept your idea. If you want to put your Friendship Seekers Club on the show, then just come up with a name for the show, a concept for the show. And I did. And the show name was called In Search of Friends. It fits, right? I'm in search of a friend. Okay, well, watch my show and you might find a friend <laughs> on the show. So I had people that watched the show. We, we showcased activities because I recorded on video what activity did and we showcased some of the events on the air. So I ran that for quite quite a while. And then one of the fellows that was a Friendship Seekers member, well, before that, I should say that, uh, well, let me wait. Uh, he said, Barry, okay, that's enough of the Friendship Seekers Club. You've shown every, all the activities we've done. Why don't you move on to something else? I said, what could I move on to? He said, I know what you could do. Why don't you do a computer club show? Said, That's a good idea. I said, okay, sure. So I transitioned from In Search of Friends to All About Computers. I said, oh, I got a computer show now. And I, I submitted that proposal. I know I submitted a proposal, but I, I submitted a, the name change. I won the same time slot, but I'm going to use it for a computer club show now. The other show ended and computer club show. I'm the same person, host of the show and producer and all that stuff, right? So I did that. And I, throughout the, the time, because I, I was in the education mindset, right? I want to educate people about computers on the air. So I brought in people from computer clubs. We talked about hardware, software. I had the editor of a newspaper on the show. I had the corporate accounts executive for Microsoft Canada on the show. We took call-in questions because that's how TV works, right? They all... Well, not all TV shows have call-in questions, mostly radio shows, right? But we took call-in questions, people asked their question and all that kind of stuff. I was having fun. And I forgot to tell you, when the camera light came on in the very beginning of my first club show, people might be terrified. Oh, my God, the camera light's going red. You freeze. Oh, my God, I didn't know what to do. The light's red. That means I'm a live audience. What do I do? What do I say? You just talk normally. You just talk in a normal conversation, right? And that's yeah. what I did. I said, welcome to In Search of Friends. I'm your host. We're going to showcase some of the events that Friends of Seekers did. 
and then it was a computer show. I said, welcome to All About Computers. I'm your host producer. We're going to talk about all kinds of computer technology with guests, interviews, and demonstrations of hardware and software, right? You just have to talk natural. That's and that's what of, I did. You know, just be yourself. And, you know, um, I, I find it when you said that your teacher was the one that said that you would be shy for the rest of your life, you know? No, no, my that teacher, is... my, my landlady, my landlady. Oh, landlady, that's landlady, right. Yeah, my landlady. Right. But, you know, like what, what you like you said, why would you even say that, especially to a young gentleman, you know, because I know I, women have it hard and but men, you know, men do, too. And to take a shy, impressionable young man and put that into his head, you know, good for you for not allowing her to speak that into your life. So good for you. Um, and the fact that you're now like, hey, wait a minute. Now I have friends everywhere. I've created this. You've been on the air. You've been, you know, you've had created two shows, a computer show and your, your friend show, you know, wow. Have you gone back and talked to her and said, Hey, and this is what I've done. Well, I went back to the, the exact address and I was surprised when they tore the building down. I said, oh, <laughs> oh, gee, wow. they tore the, it was a three-star building. Right. And I said, right. And I tried to look her up, right? I don't. She could be dead now. Like she was maybe in her sixties at the time, and that was right. back in 1976, right? So she might be dead. I'm not sure. But she was the most interesting person. Like she was friendly, but I was just surprised when one day she just said that. Like that doesn't show encouragement. Just because I'm quiet and I like to listen a lot, I listen to mm -hmm. conversation. You can learn from listening, right? Yeah, listening. Absolutely. Like what's wrong with that? And then maybe take some notes after. Like what's wrong with that? And now I do listening and I do talking both. Right. And, and you're great at both, you know, and I can't believe the amount of, you, you said you're like the network. You, you, you like to network all the time and uh, kind of like a network ninja. And you're constantly meeting new people and, you know, putting yourself out there is basically the key to, you know, I, I'm sure your success and, and getting over that shyness and, and things like that. And one thing I want to mention to you too, there's a lot of people would never have tackled a TV show and they would have said, I have no broadcasting experience. How the heck could I put a TV show together? I don't know what to do. Well, they said, if you, if you don't know what to do, don't worry. We're meant, we'll mentor you, the people at the station. They might have been volunteers. Right. I'm not sure. It'll tell you exactly what to do, how to set up the set, how to do the, the Chiron with your names, the guests underneath at the bottom, right? So I got right. mentored along the way. So what's wrong with that? I, there wasn't any broadcasting schools at the time out there, right? This is back in 90s, I think. I think there was maybe one school in Canada. But now there's a lot of broadcasting schools. You can go to Red River College in our city, right? And take a two-year broadcasting program. But I did all that with no college, university education and no broadcasting training at all. It was just ongoing. Well, see, folks, it just goes to show you that with passion, heart, and never giving up, you can overcome anything, really, you know? Like you said, you had no experience and you went from having no experiencing to creating your own uh, and being your own broadcaster for your own shows. That's awesome. And here's another yeah. thing that happened. There was a fellow that ran a computer store in name of uh, Don Cairns of IC Computers in Winnipeg. It's not called IC Computers anymore. And one day I meet him at a trade show. He said, Barry, how are you doing? I said, fine. Uh, I got a project for you. I said, oh? You got a project from me, said, yes, I've been watching your TV show for quite a few years. And I think this would be fit with the project. I said, what is it? He said, well, let's get together and talk. You know what it was? He right. actually bought a contract of a radio station in the city for $10,000. Is okay, right. I, I bought the space, a live one-hour slot for a whole year, and I want you to produce the show. I said, Really? You know, Don, I've never produced a radio talk show. He said, Barry, I watched you on TV. If you can produce a TV show with a camera, you can definitely produce a radio talk show with no camera. I said, you have confidence in me? He said, yes, I do. You can write the script. You can get guests on the show. I said, yeah, I guess I can. I did that with TV. And right. we had a blast. Wow. And you see, that That's shows awesome. confidence it gave in me because, geez, I... People got confident. I got confidence in you, Barry. And that boosted my self-esteem. I said, 
gee, I produced a TV show, now I'm producing a radio show. Boy, how does that boost the self-esteem? Right. So for those of for those that are listening and those that are going to catch the replay later, what would you say is your if you had your magic ingredient to get you to where you're at today? What would you say that those ingredients would be to make you, you know, more confident, less shy and just, you know, put yourself out there to have your own TV show and radio show? Okay, one thing I would say, because I've heard this quite often is step outside your comfort zone. Even if you've never tried this before, and a lot of people will not go through the door completely, they'll open the door, maybe peek through, but say, I'm not going through that door. I'm afraid what's on the side. I'm not that way. I am going to look at the door and go through it and see what's on the other side. Because for me, if I would have never got to that stage of going through the door and putting a proposal together, I may... I may not be well known as I am on the TV show day. So that's one thing. And okay. find whatever passion your life is. I discovered I had creativity. I didn't know that. I was bad in art and school, right? So I right. discovered I have creativity. Oh, really? Yeah, because I had creativity in producing a show together, putting the intro, the extra of the show and music and all that and being creative with the guests. Like one thing I did, I had virtuality and 3D TV and holography on my show. Well, that's creativity. Oh, you did do a humdrum show. You did lots of interesting topics, right? And you also have to follow your heart too. Whatever your heart says you should do, follow your heart in life. Like don't do things because say, you better do this, Barry, or you're going to be homeless. You better do this or you're going to starve. Don't follow that mantra. Do it from the heart. Whatever the heart says you, you should do, then do it. Don't listen to the naysayers out there and say, oh, you're doing it all the wrong way. You're never going to get successful in whatever your success is in life by doing that. Don't follow those people. Surround yourself with people that encourage you to follow your goals and whatever passion in life to get that goal achieved. Right. I love that. You know, there's so many people out there that are doing things that they hate because, you know, their parents told them to do it or, um, you know, a, a mentor or something or a coach said, hey, you know, you really need to do this. And I, I will say um, I've, I experienced this recently. Um, you know, I had a lot of people say, you know, you would be an amazing coach and things like that. And the more I put time and effort towards it, the more miserable I was getting. And so everybody says, you know, this, I'm natural at what I do here, you know, interviewing people, connecting with people. That's my jam. Like I get super excited when I can connect and, and just meet somebody for the first time and see if they're a good fit. Not everybody's a good fit for, you know, what we do, but there are some amazing people out there that, um, you know, that, even just connecting and being in their presence is absolutely amazing. And, you know, so I had to take a step back and realize, wait a minute, you know, yes, I could be good at something, but that doesn't mean I want to do it because I spent the last 25 years being a bookkeeper. I'm good at it. I know what I'm doing, but I don't want to do it anymore. You know, I, I want to connect and build and relationships and be and um, be with people this way, you know, and just be that top promoter that everybody goes to and say, hey, you know, I want to be on Dorothy's show because she makes a difference. She's out here, you know, putting um, amazing content out with amazing people such as yourself, Barry, and, uh, you know, changing the world one person at a time. Yeah, and that's the thing, too, that people think you need a whole 10,000 or a million people to make a difference. If you start something out, People will latch on to you and say, oh, I like that guy. I'm going to connect with him. And all of a sudden, we connect with somebody else. We connect with somebody else, right? All of a sudden, they have 500 people, many that could be influencers, right? So yep. it just works that way because people pick up habits or character traits they like about you. As I like that guy, he's a connector. He's sharing knowledge. He's giving back. It's not about sell, sell, or buy my product or service, right? Yep. I'm empowering people, right? I'm giving them an opportunity to share their story. So that's all about me. One thing I forgot to mention to you, when I did my first TV show, my mom actually went around the town of Three Hills and say, my son Barry's a TV star. 
I said, gee, mom, you don't have to say I'm a TV star. I, I'm not a big star, like a celebrity star in Hollywood, but she called me a TV star. She was very proud of me. Exactly. Having a TV talk show, right? She was like, I can't believe my son's got a TV show. And she went and told the whole town about that. I love that. You know, it, it's it's funny because our family could be our greatest uh, cheerleaders or, you know, or ch 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 wanting us not to go after what we really want because they don't want us to get hurt. And I've been on the spectrum of both sides, you know, after I wrote my book, my, my dad was just like, Oh, okay. But before that, anytime I wanted to be an entrepreneur, it's just like, no, why don't you be like the rest of us and get a job and, and work somewhere for 20, 30 years, get your pension and then retire. But that's, that's not really what I want to do. You know, um, just like yourself, you know, be on TV, be that influencer, be that person that people look up to. Um, and, you know, I think we all have a story. And I think we were born to share that story because we're all connected with different people. So, you know, we could have similar stories, but the way we uh, talk about it differently, the way, you know, the people, different people we connect with and, and things like that bring a different element to it. So, you know, I love that what what you said there, Barry, you know, that your mom was cheerleading you on and she was so proud of you. That that is that is cool. So if mothers or fathers are out there that are listening that, you know, your kid has this dream and you've been trying to tell them, you know, maybe you shouldn't go after it. Why don't you encourage them and to be all they want to be? not what you picked out for them to be. Yeah, and you see on the opposite side, my dad, he was a good entrepreneur teacher, but he wasn't a really good supporter. My mom had to encourage them, Barry needs some money for school or some rent, whatever. You better send him a check, you know, because we have to look after Barry. He's in Calgary now. He's not here, right? So my, my mom would always have to encourage my dad, dad, you better get some money to Barry because he needs some rent and school supplies or whatever to buy. Right. And, and that's and, great though. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I was going to mention one thing. And so my parents were on the side of the German, the Greek heritage. So my dad was strong Greek, never get sick. And my mom was on the German side. So I was actually closer to my mom than my dad. Even though my dad taught me a lot of stuff, but I just felt a, a more a close connection with to my mom. Because she supported me everything I did, right? And she was very compassionate about things. If you got sick, oh, I better get ready to the doctor, medication, whatever. You know, she's a very warm person. Right. Yeah, I, I find that we either connect with one or the other. Sometimes we connect with both. Um, you know, I, I was daddy's little girl. and um, But now that my dad's gone, I, I really connected more with my mom. You know, it just it's it's a different dynamic, I guess. And you're right. You know, it's it, it seems like we connect better with one over the other. Um, not that they don't like they love us both the same, but, you know, it's I think each child has a, a soft spot in, in their parents heart for sure. And you see, the thing about my dad is that because he was an entrepreneur, I think a lot of character traits from that came into me. As I look at my dad, he does a lot of entrepreneur things. He sharpened discs. He, he does a lot of stuff, right? I said, well, mm -hmm. look at all these things my dad's doing. Well, maybe I can do entrepreneurship things too. And even though I didn't have any experience in doing, you know, entrepreneurship stuff, I said, well, let's try it. If I fail, so what? I learned a lesson by this doesn't work, this business or whatever. So try something else, right? Yeah. You keep trying stuff. But now, because I, I am a video producer a film actor, a publisher, a book, and a podcaster, I said, this is all working. I love it. This is my passion. This is my legacy to leave in life, right? right. I want to leave Absolutely. a legacy to say, boy, look at what all the stuff Barry did. I thought he was just a, an employee of 20 years in call center and retail industry and whatever. No, I don't want to remember me by that. I want to remember I'm a publisher, podcaster, film actor, right? That's right. what I want you to remember me by. Right. Absolutely. You know, and, and that's, I think we all have something that we want people to remember us by. Um, definitely, you know, leaving 
leaving the legacy of, you know, going after my dreams and, and, you know, encouraging people along the way is definitely one of the legacies that I want to leave. And if I look back at my family, you know, the, the legacies that they've had, if, you know, strong work at like never giving up, keep on going, you know, and then just adding this onto the cherry on top of everything else. Um, you know, I definitely think is, is important. And you're right, because I think when you have that in mind that I'm doing this to leave a legacy, it's like, it's, you're never going to give up because you're going to keep going forward. Right. And until our time's up. <laughs> and you see the thing about my sisters and my brother. So, and I don't look at, and, and this is the audience too. Don't think you have to follow exactly in the footsteps of the family. Some families say, you must take over the farm when we pass on. And when you die, somebody else must take over the farm. Well, nobody wanted the farm when my dad passed away. I don't want the farm. My brother was into oil. He doesn't want the farm. And my sister, they moved away. So, gee whiz, we got this farm, but nobody wants it. No, because we want to follow our path in life, right? I moved to Winnipeg. My sister moved to Medicine Hat. My other sister moved to Edmonton. And then my brother was in Fort McMurray, Alberta, and eventually got transferred to Australia. So we all spread apart. Nobody wanted the farm. But the nice thing about my parents, they didn't force the farm on us. They said, does anybody want the farm? No. I'll take the cash. I'll take a house. But I don't want the farm because we know how hard it's to work on the farm, right? It's very right. difficult to work on the farm. So everybody split apart. And, and the thing is, I've noticed too, and I'm very proud of this for me, if I look at my sisters and my brother, this is my only opinion, right? I've had a more fulfilling life. My brother's just worked on the oil rig. That's it. You know, or he's making lots of money, but he's just oil rig. He just traveled a little bit, right? But look at all the right. stuff I've done. I've done podcasting, works in movies. If I look at my sister, I don't try to compare them either, but I just feel, look at all Barry's done versus my sisters. They've traveled. They were... My sister's retired from Sun Life Insurance, right? Okay, that's okay. fine. But look at all the diverse stuff I've done. And I'm really proud of it, right? And I just love it. I said, man, Barry, you did a lot of stuff. You should be really, and I'm proud of myself, right? It's a good pat on the back, right? For what I'm exactly. able to accomplish. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, I mean, each, like you said, we each have our own path in life. And, and you know, my brother is... Um, a millwright apprentice or millwright that he's done his schooling. So that's the, that's the field that he went into and, you know, very proud of him. He decided that uh, he was just going to jump right into the trade uh, getting out of high school. And he did it smart because the place he worked for paid for his schooling to get him to be the millwright. So, uh, you know, he did it that way. It took him a little bit longer, but it, he never had to pay for his schooling. And so he taught his one son, is going to follow in his footsteps and the other son well i'm not really sure what austin's going to be doing i know austin decided to move away so um i i'm sure he'll finish his schooling and whatever he wants to accomplish out in out in illinois with his husband but um i'm, I'm really not sure but and that's okay it's it's okay that each kid follows their own path it's whatever their heart leads them to mm -hmm. um you know and and like you said you could have a doctor in the family or you can have uh, an actor in the family or, you know, and as long as each person's doing what their passion and what they're called to do, I believe that that's what makes all the difference in the world. And I've actually had some people that worked for a government for maybe 25 years retired now. And when I told them about all the stuff they're doing, they said, I could never do all that. What you do as well. Who says so? Like, I didn't know I could do all the stuff I'm doing podcasting, writing books, doing film acting, all this stuff. I even did, I did even acting when I had a full-time job. When I wasn't working, I maybe work on the weekends and film, right? right? So I've set my life up to say, I want to do stuff that I enjoy. It's not about the money. It's about the enjoyment and the fulfillment of what I'm going to do, right? Yeah. Well, I'm not going to do that because I, I can't make any big bucks at doing film work. Well, I'm not in it for the money. I'm in it for the experience. Right. Yeah. So what roles have you had, Barry, in your acting experience? Well, I'll tell you. Now, 
this is interesting because I've been in front of a TV camera now in my story, right? So I saw an ad in the paper that said, we're looking for people. I don't know if the ad stated that we are shooting. I don't know if they said we're shooting in Winnipeg, but they said they were doing an aircraft reenactment air disaster of a movie. Or not, I mean, of a TV series, a real air crash. I said, oh, okay, uh, maybe I'll answer this ad. So I did. Well, the, the phone number was wrong, so I had to phone the, the newspaper to get the right phone number. After I phoned them, I said, I understand you're looking for people to be involved in an aircraft reenactment disaster air crash. I said, yes. Could you be at this location at 9 a.m. on August 21st? You know, I forget what year it was. I said, sure, I'll be there. So I get there, and they, they're using the hull of an Air Canada jet. No wings, just the hull, the main part. I said, oh, what are you going to do with this? They said, we are going to shoot a reenactment of a real air crash in Dryden, Ontario. Maybe you heard about this air crash. Dryden. No. Dryden, Ontario, 1986, no. around Christmas time. So get this. It's 105 degree outside. I said, oh, my God. And this is a December air crash. So what does that mean? Well, you got to put on winter clothes. Oh boy. Well, I only had to wear a sweater. I think I had long pants on, right? But the women had to wear wool skirts and they were uncomfortable, Ooh. right? It's 105 degrees right. outside and it's a winter scene, right? So they said, okay, sit down right. in the seat, Barry. I said, okay, here I am sitting in the seat. Well, what do you want me to do? I've never been in front of a TV camera before. Oh, don't worry. I'm your camera operator slash director. We'll coach you what to do. I said, we have to because I don't have an extra experience. Zero. So they say, roll the camera, take. I said, what do I do? Was it, well, look afraid because the airplane's going to crash. So I got, whatever. And the, it says, cut. And he says, you didn't look scared enough. I said, what do you mean? I didn't look? Well, you're not showing your teeth. I need to show my teeth when I'm scared. He said, yes. So they go take two. So they, they do a lot of takes, right? Finally, on take three, so okay, now we're going to put blood on you. I said, oh, what kind of blood is this? We use pig's blood. Oh, okay, I didn't know you used pig's blood. So he gets a little vial of pig's blood and smears me. Then he says, you are going to be the hero. I said, oh, and you see the woman next to you? I said, yes, she's pregnant and you'll save her from dying. I said, well, that's interesting. I'm going to be a hero. First time in front of the film camera, I'm a hero. They said, yeah, her name is Ricky Campbell. I thought I even got a character name. Wow, what a great thing, right? Happy. First time in front of a film camera. Never been before. Never did drama in school either. I don't think I did. And so they said, yeah, you're coming back from a jazz gig in California. You just did a jazz gig. You're on the plane, and the, the plane's crashing, and you're going to say the break for dying. So another scene was the records fell down. I was pushing up and said, oh, you can't lift it up. That It's a heavy wreckage. You're going to say, oh, you know, it's heavy, right? I said, okay, well, tell me what to do, and I have to show my teeth, whatever. And he did another take, right? So I'm learning all about acting, right? I don't know anything about acting, right? So anyhow, so that was that. And, and so this aired, it was called Disasters of the Century. It was a TV series that aired on the History Channel. Have you heard of the History Channel? Yeah. In Canada. Yeah. And guess what? So I, I think I was working that day at a job or whatever, and I missed the show, when I was on, I said, did anybody see my disaster of the century? I read it. said, Barry, we saw it for 30 seconds on camera. <laughs> he said, well, too bad I missed it, right? And the company was out of Regina called Partners in Motion, right? And I asked him, I said, any chance I can get to buy the footage or the videotape of the show? And I never got to buy it, right? So I never got to see myself. But he said, we saw it for 30 seconds on camera when you were terrified, lifting the wreckage off and saying the prank won't be dying. <laughs> so that's my first role ever in front of a TV camera. It wasn't a movie. It was just a, a TV series, right? Reenactment of a real aircraft. And it was right. actually in the Free Press newspaper. This air crash act, there was about 40 people that died. Oh, here's the funny wow. thing that happened when they were shooting the movie, right? You know, they, they hired some people that were, I think, maybe semi-professional actors. Some people said, can you kill us off? They said, no, we can't kill you off. You don't die. He said, darn it. I thought you'd kill me off and I could go home. He said, no, you survive. So you're going to stay in your skirt and all your outfits. Sorry if you're sweating in there. Sorry, but you got to stay in that costume. Because they they not everyone wants to die, right? But they right. sent some, uh, I think some 
convicts died, and I think some police officers died in the plane. Wow. I'm just going to give a comment for a quick minute. We have our friend Jeffrey Knight. He says, what's oh. up, everybody? Okay. Uh, Jane says, um, closed captioning would be really helpful to be able to retain content in real time. I believe if you, you can get that right on your device, Jane, you just have to oh. click, double click, especially if you're on, on LinkedIn, and it will bring up the closed captioning for you. Okay. Depending on where you're listening in from. And various, uh, Jeff says, you rock, Barry. I, I have to show teeth to look. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I love it. So thanks, guys, for tuning in. I love your story, Barry. See, I told you that Barry is such a storyteller. I mean, we, we were on a call the other day. I thought it'd only be like half an hour. It was like an hour later and we, we were still on, but it was absolutely amazing. Um, I love your stories, Barry. I, I could hear them all day long, especially your movie stories. <laughs> now, I want to give you another side story because this is interesting. I was on the set of another mini TV series. I don't know if you've ever heard of uh, Category 7. It was a weather disasters mini series on CBS. And it was about hurricanes right. or tornadoes. So I'm in the holding area, which is the area that all the background people have to wait. A guy right. walks up to me and said, I found my Luigi. I said, what do you mean you found your Luigi? You're my Luigi. I said, what do you mean? He said, I am making a movie about the Super Mario Brothers. I said, oh, and it's called Superfied, and you're my Luigi without the beard. I said, oh, so what do I have to do? He said, well, after we finish this, you're going to connect with me. His name was John Gell, and we're gonna, I'm going to make a movie about the Super Mario Brothers. It's about the Super Mario Brothers game. And have you heard of Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas with Johnny yes. Depp, I think? So he combined the concept of that movie with the Super Mario's game, and he came up with about a 45-page script called Superfied. And he put me in the green outfit of Luigi. I said, oh, <laughs> okay. I got the green hat, the L with the Luigi. And I got discovered on a film set, right? In the holding area. So mm. on, And so we went and shot around Winnipeg in different scenes. And in the end, uh, he tried to do some reshooting of some scenes. But unfortunately, the camera operator who worked the camera wasn't available. So he scrapped the whole project. I said, John, you scrapped the whole project. Why did you do that? He's a young guy in his 20s, right? He said, well, I lost interest. His backup crew was music, right? I said, well, that's too bad because it was a good, fun movie to work in, right? He got this Greek guy named Alex. His last name was Greek. So a Greek guy, short guy, and me, Greek too, mid-level guy, right? And we're in Superbike. Right. I probably got this script somewhere. Or, or the clip of it, but that was how I got discovered on a film set. Oh, sorry, a little bit of a tickle tonight. Uh, that is awesome. That is an awesome story, Barry. I, I can just imagine. So how many movies have you been in total? I've been about 20. And, uh, oh, and, and oh, I'll get back to the Category 7 one. So in Category 7, because it was a weather disaster, right, we mm -hmm. actually had to run like heck, run for our life with this great big airplane engine fans running. And here's something that happened. I, I observed it, right? And we're running back and forth. We're running at each other because we're, we're panicked, right? There's a tornado coming and it's going to kill us, whatever. What happened, which I observed, is some people, one of the people ran smack dab another person and knocked the person down. Now they didn't get hurt, but you know what the director said? Keep that scene. It was natural. I want it. I hope the person not hurt, but it was so natural. The person ran right into the person, knocked him to the ground. What a great yeah. natural scene, right? Cause it wasn't right. staged. It was just natural. And the director right. said, I think he might've said, cut, keep that scene. Don't delete it. We want it in the movie or in the miniseries. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Yeah. So I've observed a lot of stuff. I actually observed how they do stunts in movies. Uh, when it right. came to the tornado sucking the guy out riding a bicycle, they had right. the guy strapped to a cable, to a crane. Right. And he got yanked up with the crane. And then the after effects, the tornado sucks him up off the bike, but you don't see the cable. So you get to see a lot of behind the scenes how they do stuff in movies. 
Oh, that would be cool. Oh, I've always wanted to see. Yeah, explosions and what's that movie? Twister. You, yeah, the movie well, Twister. Twister like twist, almost like Twister. Yeah, I like Twister. Yeah, because there were yeah. hurricanes involved in Twister, and I, I know a lot of locations that were filmed in the city. Now, here's an interesting move that it was in that won an Academy Award. Mm -hmm. Whoa. And it's called Capote. You've heard of Truman Capote. No. So Philip Seymour, oh, you haven't heard of Truman Capote. So no. Philip Seymour Hoffman was a rising actor and he came to our city and they said, we need about a few hundred people to be in a scene in a, what's called the Walker Theater downtown. It's a theater, there's lots of seats in it, right? Like a theater. Right. And they said, sit down. And all I want you to do each time we call action background is I want you to sit up, cheer, and clap. I said, that's all I got to do? Yeah. You keep sit down, clap, sit down, clap. And Philip Seymour Hoffman's going to read the excerpt from the, the book In Cold Blood. In Cold Blood. Oh. And so I had to do that all day long, right? I didn't know that by me being in the volunteer in this movie that he would win the Best Actor Award for Capote. I said, holy smokes. Because he did a good job, right? He actually right. talked like Capote. I think he did. But he did a good job. So, you know, you got to have a proud moment when you're a background or even a background role in an Oscar-winning movie. How many wow. people can say that? Not too many people. Oh, and here's I know else. now somebody. <laughs> yeah, and here, here's something else too. I was in a I was in a, a, a documentary called The Paper Nazis. Did you know that there was a Nazi movement in Winnipeg back in the 1930s? They produced a Nazi newspaper, and there was Nazi activity in Winnipeg. This guy wow. named Andrew Wall discovered the story, so he got me to play John W. Defoe, the editor of the newspaper. And guess what? In 1930, they didn't have pens. So they said, okay, here's a fountain pen you have to use, Barry. And I want to write on paper. So they put a wig on me and a vest. So I look like an editor, right? Oh, wow, right. I'm an editor. Okay, so what happened was they said, action. Okay, and so I started scratching something on the paper. said, stop. Barry, I want you to write a proper letter. Don't scratch. I want you to write proper words with a fountain pen. I said, well, I didn't know that. you got to tell me, right? You say, write a proper letter. I thought you just wanted me to fake using a fountain pen. No, no, we actually write a letter back to the reader. Okay, so I did that. And that aired, well, I think that aired, I don't know if that aired on the TV, but it's called The Paper Nazis. So here's what happened after the movie was done because I played the actor in the movie. Do you know imdb.com? Ever heard of the website? No. You haven't? Okay, imdb.com is the international internet movie database. So anything you want to know about actors, you go to imdb.com and say, what movies is Tom Cruise going to be working upcoming? What movies has Tom Cruise been in the past? What characters does he play, right? imdb.com will tell you. So I didn't know that the producer of this documentary would give me a credit on imdb.com. Barry wow. Copeless played John W. Defoe actor in the paper Nazis, and that's a big deal. If you can get a credit on imbd.com, that is a big deal because you right. can't give the credit to yourself. Somebody else has to give it to you. Right. So I have a credit as actor of John W. Defoe in the paper Nazis and the editor of the newspaper on that. So then another time, I actually was recording the auditions of a fellow that I know. He did a movie about drag, drag kings, I think it's called. I what it's called. Kai Jolly is his name. And so I recorded all the addition people on video, right? Right. The next thing you know, I go back to imdb.com. Another credit is there. I said, what? I got another credit. He gave me a credit producer. Well, I didn't think I was a producer just recording these auditions on video so he could review them after. But he said, yeah. well, Barry, you spent all day with me recording all these auditions on video. Mm -hmm. And he gave me a producer credit. So I got two credits on imdb.com. And I didn't know I was going to get them. Is it IVD or IM? IMDB.com. DB, okay. Yeah, yeah. So that's a special website. Well, if you want to know anything about movies or actors, whatever, you just go that and you can look up names, right? 
and characters awesome. and what movies people have been in, whatever. So I am proud to have these two credits and they will stay there for life. They will never go away. That's awesome, Barry. Congratulations. Yeah. Like that's this... a big deal for me, you know. Well, that's a you've big gotta, deal you've for gotta take you've got to take all these things, you know, and say, okay, yeah. I got those, and I'll tell you something else I got. Uh, I didn't tell you about this. When I did speaking with Business Sparks, at one point they were giving out certificates. Do you have a moment? Can I pick up a certificate now and show it on camera? Sure. Yeah. Okay, one yeah. sec. This is exciting, folks. I've never had a real live actor on the show, so this is exciting. I'm trying to look at what Barry set up here. IMDB.com. Okay, so after I did a public speaking engagement with Business Sparks, they actually gave this certificate to me. There it is. Awesome. Congratulations. Yeah, so that's the first certificate. So then, this is in 2020, November. So I, I spoke about networking at that event. I think it was an in-person event. So then I spoke again on networking, and they gave me a second certificate, which I framed. Here it is here. Oh, wow. Yeah. And lady in Ontario, uh, Orly Gelfet, she actually made the certificates. She's a very sharp graphic designer, right? And look right. at my name is on there, the date and everything. Like, it's nice-looking certificate, right? And I put those on LinkedIn, you know, to show people, oh, look at that. There is a speaker. There is a show certificate appreciation. So I've spoken four times at this event. So you see, I'm all connected to the organization and I support them however I can. Right. Here he is, ladies and gentlemen. I don't know if you could see that, but I looked it up. There you are. Oh, my IMDB credit? Yeah, for the paper oh. Nazi. I oh, okay, yeah. Up. Oh yeah, there it is. Yeah. Okay. So that's on. <laughs> that's on. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Well, uh, we need to go to the next segment of the show, which is okay. called the fundamentals. Okay. So I'm going to bring on our other two guests, our okay. amazing host of that segment, Miss Kimberly Genovese, and her special guest, Kate Trock. Welcome to the show, ladies. Thank you. Hello. We're excited to be here. <laughs> I'm excited for you here this is awesome <laughs> Barry you're amazing it's 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 really just the energy and power that you bring um to the world obviously to our show and we're just so grateful to have you so it's just yeah I'm, I'm lit up like a Christmas tree thank you <laughs> thank you very much I'm glad I could share um, my story yeah, so we are in Chicagoland with the wine lady, Kate. Kate, what would you like to share about yourself tonight? Um, gosh, Barry, I'm still kind of just stuck in all the stuff that Barry was just talking about. Um, I know. And, you know, it, so much it is so relatable. I mean, I really admire his courage because I think that takes courage to get out there and follow your passions and not necessarily, you know, listen to the adults, all of the adults in your life that may or may not think what you want to do is such a great idea. Um, I think that's really critical. And, and in fact, I would go so far as to say um, passions can change too as you move through your life. Um, and I think, you know, if you're not happy with your life, it's really important to know that it's within your power to change that. Um, not always easy to do, but um, my own personal story is um, I was a slave to corporate America for 30 years. And, you know, I loved my job. I, I was a big retail executive. I traveled 45 weeks a year. Um, so I was my job. Um, I really didn't have any friends. I missed my kids growing up. I kind of missed my grandkids growing up uh, to some degree. And in 2015, I just decided I need something else for the next part of my life. And there was that little voice, that voice of responsibility, I thought, in the back of my head saying, what are you just going to throw it away? You're just going to throw away this big career you built? But really, that wasn't the voice of responsibility. It was the voice of fear. It was fear telling me, you can't. Um, and so I did anyway, because, you know, always remembering... It's not the absence of fear. It's the ability to overcome that fear 
right? I mean, I think if we're not scared, we should see a psychiatrist. There's probably something wrong with us if we don't experience fear. Fear is an important emotion. Um, so, I mean, my whole life is completely different and that's how I became the wine lady, right? So um, that's what I do now is, you know, I have my own little wine business and I do wine tastings in people's homes and small businesses, as well as virtually if I'm in a different state from where they want to do their tasting. Um, and it's really allowed me to find out things I never even knew I was passionate about, like people that gardened, I could never understand it. I'm like, how can you get fulfilled by sticking your hands in the dirt? Like who has time? And it turns out I love to garden. Um, I don't know very much about it, but I never had the time to figure out what I loved, you know, beyond my uh, passion for me was work. It always had to be related to work. Um, but I love to garden. I'm a cork dork and I'm a bird nerd. Um, <laughs> I love birds. My feeders and my birds. I, of birds. I take pictures and fill Facebook. I think my friends probably unfollowed me, but that's okay because that's my passion and not theirs. So um, in terms of, I think, the things that are important to me in terms of my life fundamentals. Um, oh, she's going to go right into it. Look at her going. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, go for it, Kate. Give us your fundamentals. Um, so, so for me, my, my big three are gratitude, positivity, and service. Um, and in terms of gratitude, I think, um, you know, it's at the very top of the emotional ladder, they say. And I think if you're not deliberate about your thought process, it's easy to not feel great about things that we should be grateful for. Um, you know, I mean, honestly, I, I don't really want to mop that floor, but when I'm doing it, I think to myself, gosh, I'm really grateful that I'm physically able to mop this floor. Um, it may not be about the action of mopping the floor. It's about the ability to be able, um, to do that. And really, if I, I try to make it a point just to really think about what are the things I'm grateful for? And if you have a roof over your head, you should be grateful. If you have food in your refrigerator, you should be grateful. If you have friends, you should be super grateful. If you have good friends, right? So there's just so many things. I mean, I'm, I'm so grateful for my time. I have a balanced life now. Um, I have the ability to kind of pull my business back or push it forward, depending on what I want at that moment in my life. And I'm super grateful for all of that. Um, in terms of positivity, I think the same, I'm, I'm all about deliberate thinking. Um, I, I, I think you can't be a slave to your own thoughts. Uh, and you don't have to be, I mean, you have the ability, in my opinion, to, um, practice the right kind of thinking. Right. So to me, positivity is just the difference between if you don't, you won't versus if you do, you will. And you could be talking about the exact same thing, but you can say, well, if you don't do this, you're not going to get that. How about if you do do this, you will get this good result result for, from it. So to me, it's literally a mindset um, that's going to keep you positive. You know, my son, when he was um, going through adolescence, I could see he was developing negative thinking. And so when he came home from school, one day I looked at him, I said, what's the best thing that happened to you today? And he looked at me like I grew a second head. He had no idea what to say to me, how to answer. And that for me was reflective of maybe I'm not being positive enough either. Right. So why is he so shocked that I'm asking him that question? Because I think you always have to kind of mirror that back and say, what am I doing? Um, and so I told him every day that you come from home from school from now on, I'm going to ask you that question. And the first day. I, I'm not kidding. I said, well, just come back to me after you've thought it over. It took him like three or four hours to come back to me and come up with something that was decent for the day. Um, the next day, it took a little less time, a little less time. Before I knew it, he would run in the door and go, guess what happened today? So it forced him to think about the good on his way home from school. And I have to hope that he thought about the good while he was in school. Ooh, that's he started to look for the good. Yeah. So ooh, that's something I can tell my mother now. <laughs> when I get home. Right. Yeah. Um, so I think that's really important. And then finally service. Um, there is no greater gift than the gift of giving, in my opinion. Um, you know, I don't really care that much for, for gifts. My husband had to learn that it's not really one of my lo love languages. I don't really, you don't have to bring me flowers. You know, I'm, I'm not really, I, I like acts of, I like to have acts of service and I like to give acts of service. So whether it's personal, professional, 
um, or or literally, you know, fundraise. So so for me, I mean, in my personal life right now, helping my dear dear friend, my childhood best friend through late stage breast cancer, um, and while that's heartbreaking, at the same time, it has drawn us closer. Um, and I think that we both feel some peacefulness and some joyfulness when we're together. Um, and that's whatever it looks like, cleaning out her drawers, taking her to chemo, um, talking to her on the phone, just sitting with her, you know, whatever, whatever that looks like. I think that's super important. Um, and then I have a, a team of people that um, are also wine ladies and wine guys. So I get a lot of fulfillment uh, helping them understanding what their, their goals are and helping them to achieve those goals and whatever they define as success, because I think success is pretty subjective word. Um, what I want for my business, may be nothing like what they want for their business. So I think the onus is on me um, yeah. to dig in and find out what is it you want? Because it's not about, and I love that aside from corporate, because in a corporate role, the definition of success is static, right? It's like, here's your key performance indicators and either you're hitting them or you're not. In this new world that I live in, I mean, I've been doing it for five years, but in this new world that I live in, success gets to be your success. So is it just that you want to go out and be social? Is money even attached? For some people on my team, it's not. Money's a bonus. Mm -hmm. They don't do it for the money at all. They do it because they have little kids at home and they just want to go out and have a good excuse to hang out with some other adults, right? For yeah. other people, they're super driven by, I'll pay my mortgage off 10 years early. I want to make at least this amount of money a month. So yeah. either way, when I know what they want, I can better help them get to what they want. Beautiful. Finally, the last thing is my winery that I rep for um, is in a corporate partnership with America's Mighty Warriors, um, which was founded by Debbie Lee, who is the mom of Mark Lee, who was the first Navy SEAL killed in action in Iraq. And he was a true American hero. Um, and so what I love about this organization is it's not just a veteran organization. Um, if you are still enlisted, if you are out there still fighting, you can get the same kind of benefits that the veterans get. All The only stipulation is that you do or did serve in any branch of the U.S. military or that someone in your family does did. Um, and so I've, I've been in the top fundraisers. I think you can see it a little award. It's not like your award, baby, but I have a little award up here for raising funds for them. So um, I do online virtual fundraisers for America's Mighty Warriors and for a lot of other causes, um, usually causes that my customers want to support. Um, but this cause is near and dear my, my heart. My dad was in the military. My brother was in the military. And my grandson is currently serving our nation as a United States Marine. So um, I love being affiliated with that. And that's that's kind of me. That's fantastic. Thank you, Kate. That those those are beautiful fundamentals. And you know, that was a key reason we had you on the show is because of your alignment with the military and, and the veterans, because as everybody out there knows, um, Dorothy and I have a huge heart for that. So thanks, Kate. Okay. Barry, you're up. Give us your three. Okay. I, I want to state something clearly that everything I do in life is not for money. And it's not to be famous. It's not. Mm -hmm. A lot of people say it's all about the money. It's all about being famous, getting to be a big celebrity. Not me. I do, I do things from the heart. Okay, everything comes from the heart in my life. If I want to do something, it comes from the heart. If I want to go give 50 hours of volunteerism, it's from the heart. It's not because I'm going to get lots of money from the event or whatever, the volunteerism. It comes from the heart. And I actually do a lot of volunteerism in the community. I volunteer hundreds and hundreds of hours for charity events, all kinds of different events. When people say, oh, I would never go to do all that kind of volunteerism for all that time. I said, that's you. But that's not me. We have a different mindset together, right? Yeah. My mindset's from the heart and giving back to the community. As Kate said, she's a giver, not a taker. Well, I'm the same thing, right? Yeah. I'm a giver. I want to give as much as I can. And I don't worry about if money's going to come back. It'll come back in its own way down the road to the universe. I don't worry about it, right? Love and it. I want to also say, too, when you decide to do something for life, you just have to do it. Because I didn't worry about any experience I had. 
I didn't worry about what is people going to think of me if I set up a video organization, produce videos. I didn't worry about that. I said, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to do it. I'm going to buy the equipment. I'm going to shoot videos. And I don't care what anybody says, right? I'm an action yeah. taker. I'm not just a talker, right? When I said I was going to write a book, I did write the book and publish it. They said, oh, you can't write a book. What do you know about writing books and never selling? Nobody wants what your book or nobody buy it, right? I did, I did it. I'm not proud of it, right? Same with the podcast. They said, you don't know anything about podcasting. Why would you produce a podcast? Radio shows are different TV shows, podcast shows, right? I said, I'm going to do it. I don't care what you say. I'm just going to do it because a lot of people look up to you if you're an action taker, but not if you're a talker. If you talk, 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 they're not going to look up to you. But if you're an action taker, that's what people do. And another thing I want to tell you, and you probably wrap up the show, is that when I go out and connect with people, I do something very different. And I'm going to give an example here quickly. This gets people to remember me. You see these pins here? When I walk up to somebody at an event, I say, I'm the ambassador of Mayor Brian Bowman of the city of Winnipeg. And I'd like to give you a gift. Here it is. They will take the package, take the pin out and put it right on them. They are so proud to get this pin, right? And I'll tell you one final story. And this is empowerment too. When I went to an event of a thousand people, you know, everybody knows Les Brown? Les Brown? Okay, he was supposed to be there, but he had some back problems, but he didn't make it. And so before the event started, the people that were running the event went off stage and they were on the side. I said, I'll walk up to those people and see if I can get you a conversation. I walk up to them and I say the same thing. I'm the ambassador for Mayor Brian Bowman. Uh, where are you guys from? We're from Florida. Well, if you're first time visitor Winnipeg, welcome. And there's a little gift from you. I would like to give you a pin that comes to the mayor of Winnipeg, Brian Bowman, because I know him quite well, right? So then I go back to my seat. I think nothing of it. The guy said, before we start the show or the event, I want to give it a special shout out to Barry Copas, the ambassador for Mayor Brian Bowman of Winnipeg, because he gave me a pin. <laughs> what do you think the audience thought of? How the heck did that guy get his name mentioned? And who's this ambassador to Mayor Brian Bowman? Brian. He gave he, he could use that title. Love it. Love it. Well, with that, Dorothy, there you go. We got our fundamentals for tonight. Yes. We, we, wow. Yeah. I, I want a pin, Barry. <laughs> yes. Well, you give so we all get a pin. Everybody, Everybody gets a pin. You get a pin. You get a pin. You get a pin. Everybody gets a pin. So when I travel, I go, I go with a lot of pins around the world. When I travel London and Los Angeles. I'll bring these pins with, with me and give them to prominent people I meet and say, awesome. I'm a visitor to your city. I never visited before, but as a visitor, I want to give a little gift to remember me by. Here's a pin. Beautiful. They love it. There's nothing Beautiful. to expect in return. Nothing. That's, that's a really awesome fundamental, and I love it. And yeah. everybody can figure out what their thing is that they want to hand out to people, and I yeah. love it. It's fantastic. Yeah. Thank you both. Yeah, you're welcome. So thanks for having Got me on the it. show. I had fun. Oh, thank me you. too. Like, I can't believe it. And if you want to connect with me, Kate, uh, my my link tree address is l i n k t r dot e e forward slash Winnie Media Expert. Everything you want to know about me is on that site. Yeah. Great. And Kate, you want to let everybody know how they can reach you as well? Absolutely. So my website is kateswineroad.com. My email is kate at kateswineroad.com. And thank you very much for having me. This was fun. Absolutely. Kate, if you can yeah. text that to me in our strand and I'll put it, make sure it's on all my social medias and where we're. Perfect. Thank you very um, much. Yeah. I just don't want to misspell it. And yeah. So with that, folks, I just wanted to thank everybody that was joining us tonight, everybody on the replay, everybody that's going to watch this for years from now. And they're super excited about the energy that's just flying through the show. <laughs> and thank you, Barry. And thank you, Kate, for being on the show. Uh, I just, all I have to say is, wow. Like, Wow. And uh, look at this, Miss Kimberly. You know, we kept going and we said celeb celebrity status on our 411. And baby, here it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's beautiful. 
our very beautiful. first actor. And uh, we're going to have to do some wine testing when I get to, to Chicago. Oh, for uh, sure. For sure. Yes. All right, folks, with that, have it. Oh, Barry, did you want to leave our guests with any last words? Uh, just follow your passion in life. Like, go for it. If you like wine and do that stuff, uh, keep doing it. I love that. And if, I if like you wine. do. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Kate, my, my aunt Kate uh, Ola Wiseman was actually a winemaker. Really? She made choke cherry wine. She always gave us bottles of wine. So I actually have a connection of wine too. Well, and when I was in Los Angeles uh, four years ago, I stayed at a place where they worked in a winery in the Los Angeles area. Fun. So we always, we, we have this show set up intentionally. The Holy Spirit can guide the way. And here we go. There it is. <laughs> who, who would have thought it? Who would have thought yeah. it? See the connection you can have with people. Oh, I'm telling you, it's amazing. It's, like, it's just a it's blessing. It's amazing how the universe works, right? It's a blessing. Yeah. yeah. So tonight it was definitely all about connection and finding your passion and going after your passion. And no matter what anybody tells you, just keep going. Keep going. Right. Yeah. Keep right. going. When and that, my friends. Tonight. Yep. And that, my friends, is how you're unstoppable. So join yep. us next week. Same time, same channel. See you next week, guys. Bye. Bye.